Luke chapter 12. And over the next few uh, services, um, I'm going to be sharing the principles about giving, tithing, offering, that sort of thing. Uh, Before we go to that part, we want to spend a little time on this. Just a little. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And uh, if you're going to put this up, you could put it up in the New King James. I know that we have lots of different versions. So sometimes when I'm reading out of this particular Bible, uh, you're reading out of the New Living Translation. It's going to sound different. Or some of you got the Amplified, and you just never really catch up with us. About the time we're done, you're still in verse 3 or whatever. But anyway, this is the New King James I'm reading from. It says, Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, nor about the body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have they, uh, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of them. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you, of little faith? And do not seek, and I have this one word underlined in this passage, because I think it's key. Seek. This has to do with motivation. This has to do with our heart. This has to do with our focus. This is what we can deal with. So it now comes to us. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek, again I have this underlined for myself, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. I do have this last verse in this part, underlined again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a, a direct link between your pocketbook and your heart. And your heart needs to be in charge, not your pocketbook. Amen? If we look just ahead of this in the same chapter, verse 13, then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And there's a lot we can pull out of this passage, but that's not what I'm trying to teach this morning. Look at verse 15. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. This is one of the plights of our culture. Constantly we're being pushed to believe that our life consists of all the stuff we own. Right? You know, you see license plates and you see bumper stickers and you see attitudes that, you know, he that dies with the most toys wins. And 
You know, the truth is there should be a little thing on that bumper sticker that says, he that dies with the most toys dies. You know, sort of like uh, what Phyllis Diller used to say about uh, being in the rat race. You know, if you, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Some things are obvious. It's not about dying with the most toys. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there too. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And I considered that I could write these scriptures out, just read them right off a page, put them up on the wall, and it would be real easy for you. But you know what? You and I need to know where these passages are. In our Bibles, we need to be able to be at home and open that Bible and have it marked or underlined or where we say, I remember reading this. This spoke to me. God gave me revelation. This is his word to me. Not just somebody sharing it with you and you nodding for a few moments and then deciding what to do about it. We need to own these passages for ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there. It's often been said that if we want to know what's important to us, we open our check register and we look at where we're writing our checks to. We look at the things we pursue and follow. Now, in this economy, most of us are only going to see our rent, our utilities, and our food bills. I mean, that's we're not being extravagant these days. We're not running off and doing lots of things anymore. We're staying closer to home and we're spending less, right? It's, it's tight. So maybe looking in the register, you would have to come up with the, the answer that says, well, I just love my house, I love my utilities, I love my food. But what is the point of the passage? I will invest in what I believe in. And I will take it to the point of sacrifice often. I have a thing written in the front of my Bible. I got from a friend named Ken Buke, and they said that, uh, vision is what I, I wake up for every day. And the man of vision knows no sacrifice. Think about that for a while. If you really have vision for what you're putting into and your life into, there is no sacrifice. It's just let me give everything I can give to it. Let me give my life into it. The person of vision knows no sacrifice. I understand that my life on earth does not consist of the things I own. They're simply incoutrements. They're things that help me do what I'm supposed to do. There are things that come alongside me and provide uh, support for me to accomplish the kingdom of God and the will of God in my life. But they are not the most important things. The important thing is seeking what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seeking. And that's really the key for me. Where do I seek? Where do I focus? What is it I'm looking after? I have to constantly check my heart check my motivation. What is I'm looking after? What am I attending to? And of course, we're getting ready to receive an offering, but that's kind of the rudimentary process of what we do. 
right? It's just kind of how churches do things. We're nonprofits. We live together. We're members together of a family that support uh, keeping a place open and doing missions and supporting leadership and things like that. But I'm not just telling us this this morning because we're going to take an offering. This is the part of the service where we want to challenge one another to say, what do I believe in? What am I going to respond to? How am I going to live? Where am I going to put my heart? Where am I going to place my treasure? Am I making a little bit of sense this morning? Okay, and over the next few weeks, I'll try to make even more sense. I'll try and answer the question about what about tithing. Is tithing a New Testament principle or is it the law and things of that nature? I want to cover these things with us as a family. That last one in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 deals with the attitude. Don't, don't give grudgingly. Never give grudgingly. You know, don't squeak it as it's coming out of your hand. Oh, I just can't. Hang on to it. You know, if it's that tough, keep it. No, don't, don't. God, God doesn't need your money. Right? But he wants your heart. And in a culture that is constantly telling us, own it, get it, get more, accumulate. If you can't get enough, you know, get a storage unit and rent that for a while. I mean, these things are making money all over the country. Because we just got to have our stuff. This moment in a church service, in a, in a worship service, is the challenge to you and I. It says, okay, what are you going to do about you? Are you going to give it? Are you going to hang on to it? Are you going to accumulate? Or are you going to say, this part that I give to you, Lord, is simply a representation of the fact that you own everything I've got. You own it all. We just sang this. Jesus paid it all. We owe him everything. Right? Not just a little bit. We owe him everything. So as we come to this moment, let's give like we really believe it. Amen? Guys, come. Let's pray. Thank you for your time. I want to congratulate as they're coming, John Day and Donna, for 58 years of marriage this week. And, uh, you know, it'll surprise you. It'll, su- it'll totally surprise you to look at John Day and think that on June 22nd he'll turn 80. That's a surprise, isn't it? Surprise. Amen. Of course, if you had to sing happy birthday to one person today, it would be Shannon. It's her birthday today, Shannon. We won't embarrass you. Father, we thank you that as we celebrate family this morning, we are together in your presence. Lord, we remember birthdays. We remember anniversaries. We're going to miss a bunch of them because they come and go so quickly, it seems. But, Lord, remind us that we're in this together and that we need one another and we need you. And we pray that you will challenge us in our earnings and in our givings. But as we surrender, we release and we give in Jesus' name with a cheerful heart that we understand. Help us to understand it connect with the fact that our heart will follow the treasure and that we, because of our heart focus, will put our treasure where it's most importantly used. Help us to seek your kingdom first. And we pray that you will, according to your word, add the things to us that we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For the next few weeks, Pastor Jeff, just encouraging and challenging us in this area of, of giving, tithing, and being faithful. It, it really takes 
I think, a, a number of weeks and a number of teachings to get the whole, get it correct. Um, one is just a, a, a simple, not that it's wrong, it's just lacking part of the information. Today after service, there's a fundraiser. It's a barbecue. It's food. So after church, we're going to head over to Summit Christian Fellowship and have a fundraiser barbecue for the tent revivals, which is coming up July 8th through the 14th. So if you are uh, going to go out to lunch somewhere, go out to lunch there and, and support the, the tent, uh, tent revival with Jason Friend coming up. That'll be a, a time. I think they're going to have the rock wall open for the kids and some of the adults and um, do some other things. Next week is not a barbecue again. That's that's in your thing. It's the week after next. Next week, next week is Father's Day, and we know that you'll be doing celebrating Father's Day with your families. But in honor of fathers, and in a time that we can gather together as the church, the weekend after that, the 24th, we're going to have a barbecue and celebration. We're trying to get Cedar Lake and do a nice barbecue up there. But it's super busy this summer. Um, it's been really hard to get answers and find out if that's available. If that's not available, we're going to go to probably Meadow Park and have wiffle ball games. And so we'll either be at Meadow Park or Cedar Lake on the 24th barbecue. It's, uh, uh, it's not BYOM. We're going to supply the meat. So it's B, you know, bring your own side dish and a drink to share. Um, but we'll provide the hot dogs and hamburgers. We'll even buy a few veggie patties for some of you ladies. And some of you men who might only eat vegetables, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be barbecues there, and if there's something else you want to do, you know, of course, it's 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 a park. There's lots of barbecue pits. You can do that too. So we're but we want to celebrate together, and and it's summer, and we need to be gathering together as the body of Christ. That's what we want to do. Um, come out there, bring bring a friend, bring an enemy. We'll throw them on the barbecue. I don't know, but no, but bring people together. Let's just join together and celebrate. So those are those, those things. And uh, we're going to get into the message this morning. And, 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 th- and I think this, this little cartoon today, I, I don't always understand the cartoons. I don't always, but, but this one's really funny. On the, I think it's funny. Bring your friends to church day is super easy for me. All I need is my laptop. <laughs> You know, you know, a lot of us, we kind of, yeah, there's a society we're living in, Facebook, friends, and all my friends I carry with me everywhere I go on my phone because I have my fr- uh, Facebook app there on my phone. But we want to talk about that. What is real community? What is friendship? God, I thank you for this day and the celebration that we have had already this morning, honoring you. God, you paid the price. Lord, you paid the price that, that we would be in fellowship and relationship with you, not separated by our sin. God, that that fellowship, that that communion would last for eternity instead of eternally being separated from you, God, because of our sin. Lord, we celebrate this day. Lord, I know that also in part of what you want us to live in, Lord, is, is in relationship with other believers. God, to live in community. Lord, as we finish up our series this morning on community, I pray that you would challenge us, encourage us, deepen our thinking, our commitment to one another in the body of Christ. Bless this service. Bless the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. That's a scripture we've gone over. We've been talking about that 
for the last number of weeks. And, and really, what, a better, what better text to just bring that up again and to, to really help us to understand this morning of the importance of living together in community. Last or a couple of weeks ago, I put the little thing on the wall that said, community is you and I in the middle of community and in unity. It's you and I. That's what we want to continue this week um, as we're, we've rounded the corner and we're heading off to the, the end of the series over the next five or six weeks uh, in, into what we've been doing, the core. And so we've got next, next week, we're going to go on to evangelism, but we want to finish up in community this morning. Thought, well, what is community? We've been talking about it. And here's just one of the uh, uh, dictionary definitions. Community, a group of people living in the same locality and under the same government. That's a community. That's just simply the community of Big Bear. We live in the same location. We're under the same government. It's a community. Another definition, a group of people having common interests, like the scientific community, the international business community, the church community. We're, we're bonded together because we have common interests. You put these two together and adding this, a similarity or identity a community of interests, sharing, participation, and fellowship. Sharing, participation, and fellowship. That's community. Putting these together, we are a group of people who share a common area, but we also share a common interest and a common focus. And that's not just religion. That's Jesus Christ. I think Christ puts the C in community for us. We gather together over the big C in community, and that's Jesus Christ. We share, we participate, and we fellowship. That's such a, part, a big part of this thing that we call community because in order to be part of the community, you need to share in it and you need to participate in it. You can't be part of the community from your seat. You can watch community happen, but until you start participating, you're not part of the community. So that, I love that part of this definition and fellowship. And that's a great word we love to throw around in the church, fellowship. Fellowship for most Christians simply means let's eat. After a, after a nice you know, time of, of celebrating, it used to happen a lot at night. Night services, Sunday night, Wednesday night, after youth group, a couple Christians would get together and look at each other and say, hey, let's go fellowship. Which meant, let's go pig out. <laughs> you know, and, and commonly we'd find groups of people at Alpine and Teddy Bear in the local places and we would be fellowshipping. But there's something that does happen around food that you can laugh and talk. And that's part of the idea of community. So this morning we want to talk just about a, a few aspects of what community is. We've already really, I think, gathered together over the last few weeks. What is community? It's community. We're gathered here, just as I read this morning, in a common area with a common interest, and that's Jesus Christ. Some people are saying, well, you can have a community, you know, on, you know a, a virtual community. You can. You know, I've got 500 friends on Facebook. I could consider that my community, which takes away the, the, the idea that we're in the same location. I don't believe that's community. I don't think you can really have a virtual community that's effective. I think if you want to only have a virtual community, you're really only going to have a virtual life. You're not going to have the real thing. Remember what virtual is. It's almost there. When you have virtually nothing or virtually you don't quite have nothing, you're almost there. So, so let's not be m mistaken in the idea that, hey, we can have a virtual community because that's almost a community. We want to have the actual thing. 
The reason that community on, uh, on the Internet is not real community is because very few people are real in those communities. They're only putting up certain aspects of themselves. We want to have the real thing. We're gathered together, and we need to be actually in the same location whenever possible. Gathering together, house to house, joining together on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or a Tuesday night or wherever it is where the saints can join together from our individual places and come together. All joining and hinged on the big C, and that's Jesus Christ. He's what brings us together. You know, again... I, I go back to the, the, the story of at Sizzler when I saw the cop, the judge, and the convict fellowshipping together. You know, we're, we're bonded together because of the sacrifice that Jesus met, made for us. We're not together because we've necessarily chosen to be in relationship, but because we have this love for Jesus and we understand His love for us. We joined together this morning. I'm looking out at our faces and it's great to see such a, a vast variety of people joining together to celebrate Jesus. And that's what community is. So what hinders community? We've talked a lot about community and that, that it's important to have. And you go, well, what's hindering it? Now, we live in a community and there's activities in those things, but what is a Christian community? What hinders from having Christian community. I believe Christian community is deeper than just gathering together. I saw across from from uh, Kmart yesterday that they've got the the farm starting. The I forget what it's called, the local farm or the community community garden. And there it is, community garden. And there's going to be people down there, and they're going to join together under the interest of having a garden. But they're probably not going to get that deep with each other. They're going to talk about their tomatoes and whatever things won't grow up in Big Bear. You know, and they'll, they'll share their frustrations. Yeah. <laughs> you have Lynn Sugarloaf, you can go rocks. It's amazing. But it's a community garden. It's, it's, it's lacking. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with living in the community of Big Bear. And, and you, there's a photography community starting up. If you didn't know, if you're a photographer, that you can go on Facebook and look about it. And they're doing these meetings, and it's kind of a community of photographers. Those things are all good, but they lack. And, and we want to bring it a little bit deeper and have a Christian community that shares in a deeper level. So what hinders us? I just want to hit a couple of things and, and encourage us this morning also and some steps we can take to begin to walk into community. But what are some of the things that hinders community? Me. That's the biggest part. It's me. Because I really don't want you to know me. I, and, and I don't really want to share with you what I have. Because I'm selfish. Selfishness is one of the things that keeps us back from entering into community. Selfishness, egoism, centricity, if you will. The idea that life is about us. That, you know, I don't know if I want you coming over to my house unannounced at 8 o'clock at night. I, I, I just, it, there's something in me that doesn't want that. Who, I, I'm getting a lot of blank looks. How about you guys? Yeah. Tim actually did come to my house uninvited last night after 8. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
first thing he does, he came, you know, he did help unload the uh, unload the trucks. So that's good. He because Shannon went shopping and and he brought in in one of the the things. He opens it up and he goes, "Ooh, yogurt! That's community. Just go through my food." <laughs> But we have our lives. We have the way we like to do things. And you just mess it up for me. <laughs> Come on. It, you know, isn't there something in us that, that kind of shares that and understands and relates on that? The idea sounds really good, but ooh, what is that going to mean? Does that mean that I can't you know, sit and you know, watch football and finish the game because you're going to come in and interrupt it? Our selfishness, our, our centricity is really going to hinder us from walking into community. The part is, is that there's something glorious if we'll allow it to happen. Another thing that hinders community from happening is fear. Fear. And I think fear in this sense is directly related to pride, but we don't even understand it. There's a couple of things it's, it, it's, it's going to relate to. One is going to be pride. We have a fear that you're going to know us in a way we don't want you to know us. And we don't want the world to know what we're really like. That's why Facebook is so great. That's why virtual communities are so good, because you can put your best foot forward. We have a fear of, of letting people know our hurts and, and maybe the fact that maybe we're not as clean. You know, our house maybe is a little bit dirty. And, and when you start entering into community, people start hanging out. They start knowing you. There, there's, there's also a, a, a fear, a fear of being vulnerable. You know, that we wear a lot of masks. And when you start entering into a community, the masks come off because you can't fake it for too long. It's easy to fake it at work. It's easy to fake it in a few places. But when you really start entering into relationships with people that go on an ongoing, consistent basis where you're spending more than just passing time, they see the cracks in the mask. They see the cracks in the facade that we put up. And we really don't want to let people in. We have a lot of fear. In those, I, I even just think, you know, let's allow God to lift us up. Let's humble ourselves in that first fear and that pride of, you know, I don't want somebody to know that I'm not as good as I pretend to be. And be humble. And say, this is who I am. Isn't it a great time when you can get to the stage of a relationship that you can just be who you are? Think back when you were maybe, you know, first married or you know, hopefully it came before you were married. In fact, if you don't pass the stage and you're dating, don't get married until you pass it. The stage that you're really comfortable being you. Because you, you need to make sure you're you with the person you're going to marry before you're married because they might not like the real you. <laughs> and then you're stuck with each other. But, but remember the freedom that just comes and you can finally say, ah, you know, and, and, and let some of those secrets out. There's such a, a, such a glory in that as we just humble ourselves and say, this is me. It's one of the things that hinders us, though, in community because we don't want that to happen. Another hindrance in entering into community is simple, simply busyness. And, and that is just a trap of the enemy. Busyness. I remember years ago I heard the acronym for busy. 
Busy simply means being under Satan's yoke. Being under Satan's yoke. We run around so much doing. Doing and doing and doing and working and, and gaining. And, and it's not just trying to survive. It's not just... It's, it's, we get caught up in trying to amass. We get caught up in building up our treasures here on earth. And it's something this country deals with more than any other country in the world. If you spend any time in third world countries and other places, one of the things that they have that we don't is community. You know, they're, they're, they're not as busy as we are. I mean, it's interesting. They're busy. They work long days. I remember living in Guatemala and some of the people, they would work, you know, 12-hour days just to make a little bit of money. But they still knew how to be family and live in community. Sundays, most businesses are still closed in Latin America on Sundays. They take two-hour lunch breaks and they go home and they eat together. Every, they're all closed at the same time. They close up shop, they go home, and they are with family and with friends. And on Sunday, it's just a mass. I mean, it's not your immediate family. It's all the family. And they're living in community. As busy and as hard as they work, they keep the value of family and community. Because of simple, simply the way we live, most of us have moved away from family and are now living isolated from biological family. So much more the need for biblical Christian community. Because our parents, our brothers and sisters, they live in other places or maybe they've passed. And so God brings us together and He wants us to live in community, but our busyness keeps us from doing that. We get up early and we, so many people drop their kids and they do their run errands and they go to work and they come home and they pick up the kids from their things and there's no time. But I believe the value of community is going to get into that area and say, let's cut some things out so we can begin to learn to live together more in unity. Another thing that hinders community, these first three things are really about us. Uh, reasons we don't want to want to enter in, but there, there's another one. It's judgmentalism. You know, people are people are judgmental, and we don't want to enter into community because we're afraid that people are going to judge us. And and that needs to be put to death. Matthew seven one and Luke six thirty seven. They said, "Don't don't judge, or you'll be judged. And do not judge, and you will not be judged." God is wanting us to live in community, but we spend so much time judging one another. And people are afraid to be in community with you because they're afraid that maybe you're going to judge them too. One of the things that we have to put to death personally is that judgmental spirit that, that sometimes creeps up into us. Did you see the way they did that at their house last night? I can't believe how they didn't sweep their floors. You start judging things. Did I open their fridge to get some creamer for my coffee. They had a beer. <laughs> and it wasn't just a 12 it was 16 ounce beer what else are they doing come on but we you know we we do these things we we judge people so much and it's not what it's about and we have to, as the body of Christ, really understand the difference between loving and encouraging and helping somebody who's in, who's in maybe caught in a sin and judging them. Judging them. 
But one of the things of judgmentalism that we have to, to, to get over personally is that people aren't judging you like you think they are. It's just, most people aren't. If, if, you, if you really feel like everybody's judging you, I encourage you to go and pray and say, God, what are you convicting me of? Because if you're feeling that everybody's judging you about something, there is a good chance. I'm not saying this is it. There's a good chance that maybe God is convicting you and you're actually feeling like you need to change. It's not people really judging you. The other thing is that, that you can just also, you might just need some healing in that area. You've been hurt before. If, but I encourage you, if you really do feel judged all the time, get with a mature believer who can work that through with you. You know, pray, pray about it. Most people aren't judging. Most people really don't judge. But there are some that are professional judgers. <laughs> Another reason, another thing that hinders our, our, us from being in community, it's, it's tied into a fear. It's a fear that people might gossip. You know, that they might actually tell other people about, about the things that they learn. It's like those, you know, those three pastors who were in, in a boat out together and they decided to get together because they didn't really have anyone else to talk with. And so they're fishing and finally one of them says, you know, I, this is so good to be with other pastors and just to be together with, with you know, people who understand the, my struggles. And I can't, as a pastor, I can't really confess my sins. And I just, I feel like I'm, I'm safe. I hope I'm safe here, your pastors. I, I really struggle with, with gambling. I play poker online all the time. And, I mean, it's, it's so bad, I, I could lose my home over it. And the other, wow, you know, thanks for sharing that. And, and we'll pray. And the other pastor goes, says, you know, in our church, we have real wine for communion. And he goes, I always buy extra wine because I drink about a bottle on those Sundays that we do communion. And I've never been able to kick my alcohol habit. In. And it's really, it's really bad. And wow, thanks for sharing. And finally, the other guy goes, you know, I'm really, guys, I'm really glad you guys shared those things with me because I really really struggled with gossip. And I can't wait to get back to shore. We're, we're, you know, but we're afraid to open up because what will really be said? And, and these are real dangers. When you get into a community, when you start living life a little more real, there is a danger that people are going to share. And, and within our life groups, we talk about it with our leaders. And, you know, it's so important that our life groups are, are safe places. You know, we've stated in our group, and, and I don't know if all the other groups have, but it needs to be an understood, even if it's unsaid, that what happens in our life group stays in our life group. You know, we, we can be Vegas in that sense. You know, we need to be places where we are secure and, and when people open up and share things. Be somebody who's trustworthy in your relationships. But outside of life groups, be, always be somebody who's trustworthy. You know, don't, don't be a gossip so that people can really, that they, they need to know that they're uh, in a trustworthy place and that they can share openly. 
And because of these, some of these things, people don't want to enter into community. But we need to overcome these because I believe the blessings of living in a time, in a situation where you can truly be open and encourage one another is so incredibly glorious. I want to just give a few things on how to have community. How to actually, some steps that we can take to begin to have community. Now, some of you in here, you're, this is just easy for you. You, you love people, but you also know how to be vulnerable. I, I want to help us to understand this morning, just because you're with people doesn't mean you're in community, Christian community. You can be surrounded with people all the time and go, man, I just love being with people. That doesn't mean that you're actually experiencing community. Because there has to be a real fellowship, a real sharing of your struggles, of your heart, as well as listening to theirs. It needs to be a, a yin and a yang, if you will. A give and a take. And just because you love people doesn't mean you're in community. And just because you don't love people and don't have a, a, a lot of people that you hang out with doesn't mean you're not in community. Community doesn't have to be everybody knows everything about you. But that you are in relationship with more than just one or two people. Just, you need to be in, a, you know, we have some relationships. One or two might be the deeper ones. But there needs to be other times where we can grow, where we can encourage one another. We can live out the one another's that we talked about two weeks ago. Encouraging one another, loving one another. You know, um, bearing with one another's burdens. So, but here's some, some practical steps on how to have community. The first one. Repent and be baptized. We have to repent of our thinking. We have to repent of our selfishness. We have to repent of being so centric. We have to repent of, of our mind. And really the word in the Greek, repent, means change your thinking. Change your thinking. We have been indoctrinated in this country to believe that we don't need anybody else. We're taught that. We're trained that. Don't cry. Don't show your weaknesses to anybody. We need to repent and change our thinking about so many of those things. God created us to live in community with one another. And we're not supposed to be lone rangers taking the world by storm and making everyone else think that we've got it all together. He wants us to live and be able to be vulnerable with people. So we have to change our thinking. God is all about community. All about community. In the very beginning, he, he said, the two will become one. He wanted man and woman to live together. And that's the smallest part of community right there. But they weren't living alone. They were living with God. And the three of them made up their, the first community. And then the first thing they did, they began to have children. And it enlarges the community. In the book of Ecclesiastes, when it says that if two lie down together, they'll stay warm, but a cord of three is not quickly broken. That's the third part in community. Community is not just two people. It's really three. Because three challenges us in a different way. Two people is a good friendship. It's a marriage. But adding the third, and that can be a child. It can be a, a, a third part. It can be a friend. And we know that that's true because take two, and Shannon and I were talking about this this week. Take two kids and... and uh, in our home, we've noticed that it's more often the girls that do this than the boys. Take two girls, and they'll play together so nicely. La, 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 la. And next week, introduce a third girl in, 
and now something's changed. There's a dynamic now that's going, and there's the fighting for the prominence, and who's going to... But it's, they're struggling in working out this thing called community. What we don't want to do is always take that third girl out and go, it's just more peaceful with just the two of them. But instead, teach them how to live in community and work through some of these things. Easy is easier. A cord of three is not quickly broken. We're talking about community. You know, you get, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, you are. That was, that's the actual answer. It's unstated in there. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh-huh. We're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to be looking out for one another. Living in relationship with one another. The Godhead. John 14. Let's go to John 14 real quick. I believe God gives us a picture of community in the Godhead. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, verse 16, 14, 16, and I, Jesus, will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus talking to God to bring in the comforter, the counselor, the Trinity. It's a community in, his, in himself. God, wherever he's at, is in community, and he wants to live with you in community. And then he wants to live, he wants us to live in community with one another. What did Jesus do when he started his public ministry? He gathered together 12 people, and he spent his time with those 12. And out of those 12, he was closer with three. And, he, and then out of that, even we know that John was the beloved. He entered into a community a relationship of community with one another where he, he taught and he lived day-to-day -day life and then he brought and he was closer with just a small group. You're not going to be intimately connected with 12 people. You're not going to share everything with that many people. But to be in a relationship that they know you decently is really important. But you're going to find two or three people and, you're going to and we need to live more openly with that group. People need to know the struggles you are having and you need to know the struggles they're having. Who's ever been relieved that somebody else struggled with the same thing that you struggle with? I mean, isn't there there's been times you're like, no, are you serious? You do that too? I thought I was the only weirdo. It's so good to know. But when we isolate ourselves, we think we're the only ones in the world that struggle with this. The other thing is we can do is we can have our own pity parties. Because we're the only ones in the world who know what we're going through. Nobody knows. <sighs> you, you need to start sharing that. You know, you're going to get somebody to come to you and smack you up the head and say, come on. You know, you're going to get somebody else and you're going to love you and hug you. Back. No, you're not the only one going through it. But let's go through it together because you don't have to go through it alone. Change your thinking. And that's going to be hard. God, I help me to change the fact that I think I need to do this alone. Help me to change the fact that if somebody, I, I think that if somebody else knows my vulnerabilities, I'm going to become less of a man. They're going to demote me on the totem pole of success or abilities because you shared openly. 
And that's a real fear that if you share openly that, that you're going to get knocked down. And it's a risk to be open and vulnerable. So change your thinking. The next one. In order to enter into community, you have to decide and choose and be willing to eventually become vulnerable. You have to be willing to eventually be vulnerable. We don't get into community because we think that day one we've got to get in there and just open up. and So we never even try. But if you'll just say, you know, eventually I'm going to be vulnerable, so I'm going to enter into a relationship with people now. You get to know them with the knowledge and understanding that part of the deal in community is that you're going to have to eventually get vulnerable. Just don't do it on day one. In fact, that's, that's, that's the thing you don't do. Don't join a group and on the first day confess all your known sins. Start telling all the dirty jokes you know. Talk about what a cretin you really are. You need to wait, wait at least until the second time you're together. You know, I, I am serious. Don't do that. But I've seen it happen. You join into a group. You know, maybe it's a thing in the very first... You know, you, you don't just need to throw up everything. Now, sometimes you, you just do. And, and, and God's got grace for that. And, and it could be a time of healing. That's not what we're going into. We want to grow in relationship. And you do want to learn. Not everyone is trustworthy. And so when you're gathering together, maybe with a new group, you know, you, you get to know them because you don't want to throw yourself out there and then have somebody step on you. Because what will happen is you'll end up recoiling and you'll, never, you'll say, I'm never going to do that again. So there's some wisdom in there, getting to know one another, learning. Um, not everyone thinks the way you think. We, we, there, there are, in my life, I've figured out the hard way. There's just... There's not, everyone doesn't think the way I think. And there are some people that I'll tell certain ideas to, certain viewpoints that I have on certain subjects, and I have learned I will not tell to other people. I've just, you know, for whatever reason, I go that, you know, we, we don't see things the same way. That's okay. You don't have to tell everyone everything. But in relationship, you begin to find these things out. So about dirty jokes. You gotta wait till you know them. <laughs> See if they have a sense. You know, men. Yeah, you, know, you know, maybe women do it on their own, but I know men have a tendency. Ephesians five, guys. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking—they're just out of place. And and that's something. That's a side note. We need to help get put to death. Joking is great, but we need to keep it. You know, we need to keep it clean. But um, and that's so the, another step. First, be willing to eventually become or repent. Be willing to eventually become vulnerable with people. Make an effort to get to know the community of believers. You have to make an effort to get to know people. You can't just come on Sunday morning, late, and leave early, forever. Well, you can, but you'll never enter into community. You'll be the people who leave, who arrive late and leave early, and nobody will ever get to know you. You have to make an effort to get to know the community of believers. Come early, have some donuts, drink some coffee, find out about something going on, 
in a life group or somewhere else and make an effort to get to know people, you'll find out that they, they're not as scary as you think. They're not as, they're not as weird as, as you think, or sometimes they are weirder. But, but you just enter into a relationship, you get to know people, and, and the walls begin to fall down a little bit. Make an effort to get to know them. Allow the community of believers to get to know you. You've got to allow people to get to know you. You can't always come with the, the mask on. You've got to begin to let, let, let a little bit of you out and, and see. Make a, make a choice to say, I'm going to let them know me a little bit more. Show up for the barbecue. Get involved in work days. Get involved on work days. Get involved on church work days. <laughs> Another announcement, we're having church work day on. You know, there is really, though, there is something. You, you come together. We haven't had one, and we do need to schedule. We've got a lot of little projects to do. Um, and we will be getting one on the calendar soon. But I honestly love church work days, at least when it's not just three or four of us that show up. I mean, you know, besides there being a lot of work, it's not a lot of fun. But when you get a whole bunch of people together and, you're, and everyone's doing these projects and you're doing things and walk around, and it's amazing the camaraderie and the, it, it's actually fun. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so you know, when there's a work day, don't shy away from it. Get your dirty clothes and come and, and get together. That is, that's an amazing way to get to know people. Um, another thing you can do, invite some people from your life group to your house for a barbecue. Doesn't have, not a life group barbecue, just invite some people. At least eventually invite them to your house. You know, it's, it's easier to invite them to the park the first time. You can do that. You know, you, there's, you might not want them to know where you live. <laughs> Start at the park. But do something together. And, and, and work up to it. And we, we've done my house. We've done my house. You know, we, we, and we do that. We Think about when you're getting to know people. We tend to go to the public places because we're really not sure you know, if what people think when they see our house or if they, if they, you know, if I'm in my home, they might see how I'm really treating my kids or my spouse. You know, so we do a public places. But here's the point. Eventually, bring it to your house because it's important that people eventually see how you treat your wife and how you treat your kids because that's part of who you are. That's community. It's reality. You know, I'm not a yeller. I do yell, but I'm not a yeller. There's a difference. And it's always fun when, when somebody who's known me for a while sees me yell for the first time because their reaction is... <laughs> but I yell. And, and it's, it just it, it happens. And it happens more often when I'm at home with my kids because they really hack me off sometimes. <laughs> but by being in relationship with people and doing things, they're going to see that. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll guarantee you that if, if, if you're a strong believer and have been saved for a while, and maybe somebody who hasn't been saved for a while comes to your house, and they see you yell at your kids. I'm not going to beat your kids, but, you know, get a little bit hacked off, or, and they're going to have so much grace. 
they're actually going to like it. Now, you know, they're going to say, you mean you actually do this? I thought I was the only one. Again, I thought I was the only one who yelled at my kids. And, and there's, there's grace and there's that ability to begin to minister into that moment. On the other side, it's wonderful that they can see the reality of you do lose it sometimes, but for the most part, you're like this. And it's something to, to shoot for in that relationship. Invite someone over. Um, it, when you do that, just guys, pick up your socks and your underwear. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, guys and girls do guys and girls do this this visiting thing so much so differently. You know, we guys don't don't care about a lot of those things. But you know, for ladies, I want to encourage you. The Queen of England doesn't live in Big Bear. She doesn't come to our church. She's not coming over for tea. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Some of you, some ladies. And, and there's guys that fit in this too. They, they can't have anyone over unless it's just right. Your mismatched teacups, your styrofoam cups are fine. It's not about that. It's, it's, it's not about having to put some presentation on. It's about growing in, in relationship with one another. And ladies, I do want to say that you actually worry us, some of us husbands sometimes. We think that you have MPD, multiple personality disorder, and that when somebody's coming to visit, your alt alternate personality is Martha Stewart. And she comes out and you run around and you've got to make everything just perfect and invite somebody over and, and, and just have a relationship with them. But, you know, seriously... If hospital, I, I don't want to make it sound like that's not a good thing to do. Some of you ladies are just hospitable. Some people just have a gift of setting things up, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't not do it because you don't have the matching tea set. Don't do it because you're afraid that, you know, well, I only have black tea, and what are they going to think? Let's fellowship. Let's get together and live, live with one another. And guys, support that, support that moment with your wives if she's having someone over. You know, really clean up. Another thing you can do to, to begin to enter into to Christian community is host a life group in your, in your home. What a great way. Open up your home and have a whole bunch of strangers come in and trash it. <laughs> you know, you can get to know each other. They're going to get to know your dog and they're going to leave with hair on them. And, but, but when you host, again, it's, just, it's opening that up. It's allowing people to see you a little bit. Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2. As you're, as you're looking, I want to hit that one, other one again. Host a life group in your home. Yeah, there is a real joy about sharing in that ministry. And also, there's a, it's, sometimes it gets hard for the same person to host all the time. So... You can do that in your life groups. Galatians 6.2. This is one of the one another scriptures. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is one of the life group questions this week. Bear one another's burdens. What does that mean? Boy, there's so much that that can mean. People are going through difficulties and they're struggling. Help them go through them together. You know, th th this week, you know, Rob Parley, he's, I don't know if you've seen his 
explore his uh, explorer out in the parking lot of expedition. He has these airbag shock things, and and one was just popped. And so his car has been riding like this for a couple of weeks, and it's been really funny to watch him. I actually texted him one day when he drove by. I said, low rider. <laughs> now, now Rob, Robert knows how to install cable. Robert can do a lot of things, but mechanic, I don't think is one of them. But Corey is. And so Corey went over and fixed Robert's airbag. And he's, you know, Corey's got a gift, and he went and built, built, he bared the burden. He bore the burden? He bore the burden. Bore the burden. And he helped him. And <laughs> but that's that's life. Bear one another's burdens. You've got a gift. You've got something you can do for somebody else. Help them out. You know, you got some free time, and 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 your neighbor or somebody in the church has got kids, and they need a break. Watch their kids. Watch their kids. These, watch their kids. <laughs> Come on, these moms, man. They're, you know, whoo. Yeah. Love one another. Bear each other's burdens. In order to bear somebody's burdens, you have to be in relationship with them enough to know that they have one. You know, every one of us in this room have a burden. Lots of burdens. The sad thing is, is often nobody else knows what that burden is. And you're actually robbing the, robbing the community of believers from obeying the scriptural mandate of bearing one another's burdens because you won't share your burden. You've got to share it. You've got to be in a relationship where you can say, hey, this is what's going on. But remember, again, from a couple weeks ago, when it's one another, that means one week you bear their burden. Next week, maybe they'll bear yours. Try not to be the person who comes in and says, here's all my burdens, guys. Bear them. <laughs> Bear their burdens too. One another. Love one another. Go back and forth. Another thing we can do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a hard one. Well, love God. Put your devotion towards Him understand Him, get to know the heart of God. As you do that, you're going to get to know the heart of, that God has for His people. And if you love God, you're going to love His people. And then He says to love your neighbor as yourself. And you see other people struggling and you go, I'm glad I'm not them. No, go bear their burden. You've got something to offer them. Go, and, go live with them. Go help them out. And as you do that, the community happens even that way. I know that uh, you know Corey's come over and helped me take care of my car. And whenever we do something, whenever I do something with somebody, a project, or somebody comes and helps, you you get joined together a little deeper in relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. When I think about loving your neighbor as yourself, I think of the statements that we've made before. Why doesn't anyone come visit me? They don't care. If the church really cared about me, someone would come and help me and pay my bills. And that person didn't even say hi to me. When's the last time you said hi to that person? Have you ever helped somebody pay their bill? 
Have you ever gone and visited somebody? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We love ourselves enough to think that somebody could come and visit me. Let's go visit somebody else. It's kind of that law of reciprocity. Get outside of yourself, even when it's hard. And you'll find that as you do that, there's healing that'll come. You'll put yourself out on the line, and, and it'll come back. It really will. Because Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together. As you give of yourself, others will give to you. Now, here's the thing. When you give to certain people, there are people that will just never, ever give back. But God has this way of making it come from somewhere else. And you have to be aware of that. Keep your eyes open. You might be giving here, and that's where you're supposed to give. But if you're expecting that person to give back, you could be expecting for a long time. But don't, don't ignore the fact that it came from over this direction. It came from this direction. As you give, God brings it back. Relationships and other things. These things will help us build community as we, as we purpose in ourselves to get to know each other in a deeper way, to be vulnerable and take some simple steps. This is going to open up some new avenues for us to have relationships that go deeper than just a Sunday morning or a casual relationship. And only then will you ever really discover what it's like to live in community. This is, this is the, as Nancy Pelosi said about the Obamacare bill, you really won't know what's in there until you read it. <laughs> until you pass it. Community is that way. You really don't know what's in community until you live it. You can talk about it all day long, but there's something about what happens to you as you allow that that no message, no book can really tell you. It's what you experience and what you feel. God, as we are finishing up this time, I pray that you would help me and help everyone in here. Take those extra steps and become vulnerable and put ourselves out there and purpose to live in community with one another in this Christian community. Lord, I pray that you would bless that as it happens and you would open up our eyes and our understanding. God, I pray that as we would live in community, you would do what, what the Word says and that you would bring the Father to the fatherless, the husband to the husbandless. God, we would work together and Love one another. And we would fulfill, behold how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. Help us on this next step in our journey of becoming followers of you and living in the kingdom of God here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going over the